You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 607, Spotify's new AI disc jockey, the exciting and terrifying Apple Vision Pro, Billy Joel in New York, another Nick Drake revival, and farewell to Cynthia Weil and Astrid Gilberto. That's all coming up after the psychedelic furs and Love My Way. As one would expect, an immaculate production by Todd mm. Rundgren, um, arguably another underrated band. Uh, this, mm. this was a single in 1982, 42 in the UK, 44 on Billboard, The Psychedelic Furs and Love My Way. 
like like you say, a very underrated band, mostly because they're one of those bands who people insist on playing the same song by all the time. Uh, we all, I mean, I, lo- I love Pretty in Pink. I think it's great, mm. but it would be nice to hear another psychedelic first song yes. once in a while. And that, thank you for providing that one in a while, <laughs> said he. Very nice to hear it. Welcome along to Parish Council episode 607. And, well, I haven't spoken to her for a week, so the intro has to be really in the current um, vernacular in in a Holly Willoughby style. So, oh gosh. Firstly, are you okay? <laughs> I, I hope that as we start this new chapter and get back to a place of warmth and magic that this show holds for all of us, we can find strength in each other. Juliet Harris. <laughs> do you know, I always find strength in you, said T. That <laughs> never changes. And also, I do think that this show is magic. I hadn't, I wasn't aware that I had been sacked. That is news. But apart <laughs> from that, um, what can I say? I am, um, I am sorry to have let. It does, nice. My dad said the other day, um, when we were talking about that old, that older joke about uh, what did the inflatable head teacher say to the inflatable pupil that had gone on a rampage with a drawing pin. You've let me down, you've let the school oh. down, but most of all, you've let yourself down. An awful Very lot good. of in, people, there are a lot of inflatable pupils with, uh, with um, you know, <laughs> drawing pins at the moment, aren't they? This is not who they are, as they say, as they let the school down. Anyway, hello, everybody. Um, artificial intelligence, AI, mm. it's both boring and fascinating at the same time. <laughs> yeah, quite. <laughs> Hopefully we're going to look at the more interesting upcoming uses of it. In the entertainment world, and no surprise that Spotify, who are often early adopters of new ideas, that they're, yes. they're right on it with their new AI disc jockey, DJ X. Now, this rolled mm. out in the States uh, back in February, but is now available in the last week or so uh, mm. in the UK and Ireland. Um, well, what is it? It basically is what it says it is. It's an artificial intelligence DJ mm. who introduces blocks of music to you based on music you've played or music you might like, mm. which is the interesting bit. Jules, You've had a chance to let the AI DJ into your life this week. Are you now BFFs? I mean, we're not BFFs because oh. this thing's going to put me out of a job if I'm not careful. Yeah, well. I, I found this I found this really creepy and weird and frightening, Sir T. I mean, firstly, the thing that I find a bit odd about it is Spotify sort of does what it does anyway in the in that mm. you can make a playlist and then once you finish the playlist you the algorithm will just throw stuff at you that's recommended on stuff you've been listening to so I didn't really get what it was what this was bringing apart from that really weird creepy voice at the beginning <laughs> when you start it up that goes hey and you know what I found so frightening about it Sir Terence mm. it referenced before it, 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 so you couldn't see what it was going to play. It did no. the sort of blue screen. It went hi, I mean, and then it did this kind of, you know, gabbling sort of thing. And it made reference to, oh, the pixies here are going to put things together, blah 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 blah. Mm. And I thought nothing of it. And he went, speaking of pixies, here are the pixies. And he then from the pixies that I'd never heard before. And I felt, I feel like when having conversations about this, I think, I think this might have been in. The episode of The Simpsons where Bart wins an elephant from a radio phone-in because they he, they say um, KBBL is going to win me something stupid and the elephant is meant to be the joke prize. 
$10,000 on elephant and Bart insists on an elephant which they don't have because it's the joke prize and the radio DJs Bill and Marty will not give him the prize and in the end there becomes this massive standoff with him shouting outside the station and the the, the producer of the the sort of owner of the station brings in an automatic DJ machine where they press the button and it goes hey hey what about this weather we've been having and one of them goes that's amazing the other one goes don't praise the machine and i feel a little bit with our spotify djx don't praise the machine sir terence it will put us out of a job i found this and then if you don't like it you press the button and it goes hey okay i understand you don't like this here's some songs you've been listening to a lot recently and then play bob dylan which i've been listening to a lot recently and my other half went I don't like this. And I went, yeah. this, is, this is, and I was in the middle of doing a radio show at the time. And she said, I prefer yours, which is very loyal of her. Thank <laughs> you. But um, there is, I just find this so weird. I think the thing is, is that I, I'm more than happy to, maybe this is hypocritical of me. I'm more than happy to give my listening over for a little <laughs> while to Spotify's algorithm. If it doesn't have some horrible automated voice reminding me that it is AI, it's, I find it synthetic and weird, I must say. I have no issue with the algorithm, which has often introduced me to a lot of music I really like. Mm. That works really well. Why do we have this? Um, why do we have this bizarro thing over the top of it? Not for me, I don't think. As I more often than not listen to classical music on mm. Spotify, it's a bit odd to hear this cheery. He's like a cross between the Wolfman from American yes. Graffiti and the sort of mid-Atlantic Dave Cash this jockey of the 1970s oh yeah absolutely. Really i feel like i should be on a very long drive between two states that are exactly. 10 hours from each other listening yeah. to them. that's a really good call. that's where that's what the sound they're going for i think and um as i say it's this, this sort of the american graffiti voice and he goes you know as i let's say i listen to classical music so you get this guy going hi terence welcome to your friday let's get it started with some hildegard von bingham <laughs> what that's um, incredible I, I, you know, it set me thinking, though, Julia, really, honestly, mm. to, in, on a kind of serious note that you're uh, alluding to, that you had a chat with your, your partner yes. about. I think this AI business is moving faster than many expected, and it's of yes. much more significance than many of us thought. It, yes, it, it may not be that far away that people are paid an allowance to stay at home while artificial mm. intelligence does a whole range of jobs because well, this, this thinking, might be what universal basic income that we've talked about previously might end up doing it might have step, its moments yeah. because i'm thinking you know if you put it in a practical sense doctors may not be needed because if an ai in a fraction of a second could diagnose an illness based on the entire history of medicine um you could have ai in the operating theater doing like little minute incisions Mm. ai as teachers with the entire knowledge Mm. of all subjects within their brain it is it's concerning isn't it it's very concerning i mean you know there's been talk of e-conveyance in my my sphere for years doesn't make you wonder god surely what will ai draft everyone's lease in future what will i do it's it's indeed i I think you'd be paid to stay at home while this ai um thing does it you know in in 30 seconds yeah exactly take a human two days you know it's very i mean like you say i think you're right that's a really good and shrewd point i think that we all kind of went oh ai when we heard mm. that you know the word the words of sort of a, a, a year ago or so mm. and now 
all of a sudden here are these things and it might well be like a lot of things that it's all the rage for a bit like in the entertainment industry for example that we're talking about this is all the rage for a bit and then people don't like there might be a number of people like us who just don't like listening to some computerized voice we talk we've talked previously and very recently about radio and whether it will be demised or not but even if radio in a linear form doesn't exist podcasts with human voices are still very popular aren't they and at the moment everyone can tell what a human voice is and isn't and your your cheery ai guy couldn't (laughs) couldn't sound any more fake could he on this on this dj thing maybe some people like that i don't know but you're right in that i think all of a sudden it does feel like it's about to explode and it's it's very strange and very disconcerting and i i don't like it sir terence even more I don't know whether to say exciting or mm. alarming, depending mm. on the way you look at it. Maybe it's both. Um, is the new product yes. from Apple. Now, it's available commercially early next year. And um, this, again, is quite staggering. It's, it's Apple Vision Pro. Mm. It's hard to describe other than it mind-blowing looking at the trailer. Yes. It's described as a spatial, spatial computer. You wear a mm. headset and the world around you is transformed. You can upscale a TV screen, as for example, to feel yes. like it's a 100 feet wide. And, you know, imagine that in the games market. Mm, um, of course. FaceTime video calls, you know, they become... Full scale. The person becomes yes. full scale in front of you. Humans, but are. not, but not real. One but must not real. out at this well, point. No, exactly. Mm. They're not actually there. Explore outer space. Well, that's an unbelievable range of uses, Jules, and you control it by just touching your fingers and thumb together. Again, I just find this really strange. And also, speaking as a speaking as a, a feminist, Sir T, I mm. know that this man in the in the trailer, he was not cooking tea, was he? He was just he sitting no. in this. He was sitting in this world, experiencing this virtual world. Um, again, Mrs. was cooking the cooking. I presume the someone else corner. is putting. Yeah. I presume someone else is putting the bin out. I mean, mm. I do, I do. I just what the thing that worries me about this, and I can absolutely get. I mean, you know, like you say, it could have some uses. Everyone that wasn't able to get tickets to the Champions League final, you can you can sure, zoom out this point. huge screen and feel like you're there. But you're not there, are you? Yeah. And this is the thing, really. And this is why I worry. And this might sound a bit moral panic, but I do worry. I, I suppose we've always had these moral panics and they may or may not turn out to be true. In the same way as there was the moral panic over video games, violent video games, that young people and my mum actually had this in her school they had an issue once years and years ago where a young kid was bashing another kids against a bench head against the bench without any kind of with any sort of idea of cause and effect and when asked why he had done it he had seen it done on grand theft auto the computer game And, and you get this situation and i worry I mean, I'm a fan of video games. I, you know, I don't always believe in moral panics, but I do start to worry if particularly young sets on and they live in a virtual world. This is all a bit Black Mirror by Charlie Brooker. All of a sudden, people lose, start to lose the ability to distinguish between what is real and what is not it real, and therefore lose the ability to distinguish between, you know, reality and not reality. Uh, cause and effect become very divorced from each other and I just really worry if we end up in this virtual world there are some things that are not virtual aren't there really I can almost see you know some of the terrible social work cases that have that have hit the headlines recently involving young children which largely as a result of the first few months of lockdown and various people being unattended 
I just worry about, you know, feckless young parents. Are we going to have a, a, a spate of cases where children haven't been fed for days on end because people are living in virtual worlds? I, I you know, I, I just find this. I get, I get that it's really cool and exciting to be able to, to, I don't know, to, to play Pac-Man at 100 feet. I would love that. But, um, but yeah, I, there's just something about this, like you say, that it's taken us all by surprise a bit. That like I think a lot of us, and I, I will admit, it's been quite complacent about what it can or can't do, or what the impact of AI is or isn't and all of a sudden we will find ourselves living in an even more virtual world than the pandemic was and we've read loads we've done loads of chat on this podcast about about comedians and, and musicians and performers complaining that post-lockdown audiences behave so badly mm. because they weren't used to being in rooms with other people because they weren't used to the idea that we all have this social contract and we all have to behave in certain ways i find it maddening on trains now that younger people don't even think they should be using headphones anymore and that they oh, think that absolutely. everybody's Those in the carriage yeah. exactly i mean some people still use headphones but we're mm. all over 30 and um and yeah and i find it yet another worrying kind of peg taken away the idea that that if you're in the virtual world i'm not that convinced you're in the real world and it's just i don't like the direction of travel with this mm. you know I, I know this is a bit sort of mind-bending mm. but you know what you said about like the champions league and you feel like you're, yes. there, but you're not really there the thing is and i you know i don't mean to go all psychedelic but no, are you are you really not there because yes, are you any more not there than someone in the back row who's um got a really terrible seat yes and, maybe you know, it feels a bit yes. disenfranchised. it's a bit you know it's kind of schrodinger's cat thing yes i suppose so yes i can um, see that i can see that i mean maybe maybe it means different for different things yeah. no I, I can see that point and actually sometimes there are there are you know there are sometimes there are things that it's better to see at home than it is to see in the yeah. See in the flesh, I don't know, but I yeah, I don't disagree. But I just I just find this increasing erosion between real and not real. I I mm. don't feel it's going to end well. Is my feeling. I, imagine the Paris Council transformed into a one hundred feet wide audio visual <laughs> experience. I was going to say, well, I always I do this on the basis that no one can see me. So mm. if people have to see me, it's the end of my tenure here. So, <laughs> so you know, I hate to break this to you, but the whole the whole appeal of this, I think, for me and everyone else, is that I am not seen. So uh, so yes, I will not be I will not be doing this. And 100 feet or indeed one foot vision there will be no visuals for me you could that's a that's a parish council promise uh, apple vision pro it'll be on the market in mm. early 2024 at 3499 us dollars that's 2800 uk pounds <sighs> start saving now <laughs> yes indeed. Uh, <laughs> please i'll take three please rush me etc <laughs> Coming right up, Billy Joel and his 10-year residency at Madison Square Garden and an Instagram influencer joins our list of scammers. Oh, all of our pals, there's another one. Yeah, all alongside the Fire Festival bloke, Anna Delvey and the rest. Mm. That's next after, is it The Doors? No, it's Shirley Bassey. You know that it would be untrue. You know.
that really psychedelic experience i i really really like that it's uh there's something it's it, despite a sort of a, it was a bit overblown the song anyway but i love that that's got the full vegas kind of show tune effect to it and it is weirdly psychedelic as well in its own way that is dear old dame shell dsb herself i always refer to her as dsb mm. because you might remember her performance at glastonbury some years ago and she had wellies with dsb and diamante down the side of them and also if i recall correctly um had some difficulties either she was helicoptered onto site and she either had difficulties landing or leaving and basically had to make a crash landing in a local person's back garden and was given a cup of tea whilst they sorted the helicopter out anyway that's taken from her album something which has got her very sort of a famous version of something on it um so her 70 album a bit like the ella fitzgerald um records that we've talked about previously mm. her doing get ready and that yeah. sunshine of your love version in that shirley bass's career had been in sort of decline since the mid 60s and it's very much got her sort of back in the game and something got to number four but spent 22 weeks on the uk singles chart so it really did relaunch her but i love that because i think it's just a slightly unexpected kind of glitzy that is Light My Fire by DSB herself. I feel that Shirley Bass's career could have gone two ways. It was railroaded, yes. and I think it's a shame. It was railroaded into the cabaret and middle of the road yes. circuit by all those mid-60s appearances she did on light entertainment yes. shows like Morecambe and Wise, where they took the mickey out of her yeah. and they sort of renamed her Burley Chassis and all this sort yes. of thing. And she never got out of that. You know, she was never no. taken seriously as a, as a sort of... I say rock musician or but yeah, she was always exactly. just seen as sort of a mums and dads yes. um, kind of and the same thing of course happened with Tom Jones it took him mm. 30 years to be seen more, as more than sort of Batley Variety Club exactly folk. absolutely agreed and then of course his reload again his album that he did with all of the sort of young 90s musicians yes. reload or reloaded was, was really great interestingly though you say this she still continued to be extremely successful in the oh, absolutely in, but in, in a sort of different field yes yeah agreed agreed in that i didn't know this i've just read this um in 2020 she became the first female artist to chart an album in the top 40 of the uk albums chart in seven consecutive decades with her album i owe it all to you so that is someone that is able to Mm. you know that's an incredible and that includes the noughties the 2010s Mm. i think that that's really incredible so yes i agree with you it's a shame because that is 
it's quite kitsch that version but also she can really belt it out mm. can't she it's brilliant and also three bond themes she had as yeah. well so uh so some great high points but yes i agree it's a shame that we couldn't quite her incredible voice was not real didn't realize its full capability did it she could have done some really roaring rock chats she could have yeah. done some stuff like tina turner she could have done tina turner's 80s yeah. stuff i'm sure yeah. not that tina turner wasn't brilliant that's she was. that's, that's but, exactly yeah she could have done that sort of thing yeah she could yeah, have done exactly. stadiums but she, she yeah. ended up in a different world i agree yeah. well, well well observed i think i i've got a feeling that some time ago we re- we reviewed a documentary in which various people that had worked with billy joel were very unfavorable yes and do you remember that I can't remember. Yes, what I the... do. I can't remember what it was now, but yeah, no. there were people that weren't weren't mad keen. Were weren't they? mad keen. They'd rather poor recollections of the time spent in his band, I think. Yes, I think. But that hasn't diminished his appeal to music fans because, rather amazingly, for nearly ten years now, starting mm. in January 2014, Billy Joel has had a residency at Madison Square Garden playing. Incredible. It's amazing. Plays mm. one show every month. Now that's pretty astonishing when you consider Madison Square Garden has a capacity just under twenty thousand. Yes. Um, now he's not retiring, Jules. He's out on tour this summer with Stevie Nicks. Yeah. Um, which that that would be worth seeing. That's a good lineup. But, yeah. That's box but, office. Um, I would Billy say. Joel has said that the residency at MSG will end in July. 2024 his 150th wow. lifetime appearance at the venue that's some achievement isn't it it's amazing i mean so this this i i i think i might have known about this but i've kind of forgotten mm, me I, think too. I hadn't realized it was still going on mm. um so he said that he's done this uh, this residency for 10 years mm. and he said i'm kind of flabbergasted it lasts as long as it <laughs> did um my team tells me that we could continue to sell tickets but 10 years 150 shows all right already and it says the record-breaking residency began in t- january 2014 where he said he would play one show every month at the manhattan venue for as he said at the time as long as the demand continues every show has sold out since amazing. he began so that Just is amazing. that is 10 years of twi- that's 120 shows that have all sold out that is incredible um in january 2015 he broke his own record of the most consecutive performances by any artist with a, uh, a 13th show of the residency and they put a new banner up in the rafters which is apparently a big thing there mm-hmm. um when he did his 65th lifetime show in 2015 he raised another record for the most lifetime performances by any artist at a venue, for which another banner was raised, and those banners are still hanging up in Madison Square Garden. I wonder if they'll still stay there. But um, I love the fact that the New York City Mayor, Eric Adams, says there's only one thing that's more New York than Billy Joel, and that's a Billy Joel concert at MSG. I think that is so, so good. He said, eight and a half million, on behalf of eight and a half million New Yorkers, congratulations, Billy, on a historic run of sold-out shows at MSG. And thank you for a lifetime of, jo- of bringing joy to us all. I think it's incredible. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day about Billy Joel. I've never quite got it in terms of, I, I mm, get he's really mm. talented and she's, he's done some songs that I like. I've never quite clicked with him and his and his, uh, he's someone who I can easily admire but I don't really love. I can't. Mm. Like, the, the, his music slides off my brain a little bit. I did just play scenes in an Italian restaurant on the radio earlier, and that was excellent. But um, I don't know. There's just something about him. Like you say, maybe it's having seen documentaries where people aren't very nice about him. I don't know. But there's just something... There's something I can't quite connect with with him, but this is an incredible achievement. It makes me like him a great deal more, I must say. And I love the fact they said it would continue for as long as demand continued. And well, it very much did. So the problem is me, Sir Terence. 
You know, you, I just did a quick bit of mathematics there. As you said, his capacity is 20,000 and uh, it's 150 mm. lifetime performances. That's three million people he's played. Three to. million people have seen it. Well, uh, you know, it could be that people went multiple times. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But, but three million, three mm. million bums have been on, on seats, seats to see yeah. Billy Joel at the MSG. That's mad. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be terrific if we had a similar situation here in the UK? Because I, I was imagining yes. Elton or Coldplay or mm. Kate Bush announcing that they were going to play the O2 or Wembley Arena once a month for the next 10 years and yeah. how great it would be to say ah oh, let's get a ticket and oh no we, we're going to a wedding no no worries we'll go next month we'll go yeah, next month it? exactly oh i'm at the dentist i'll catch macca next month yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely yeah. it's incredible isn't it yeah. no, i mean it's been... it's sorry go on. no i was gonna say long may billy joel continue only not at madison square garden it seems absolutely and i'm sure that he will always find audiences elsewhere i mean oh, it's, it's sure. one of those and isn't it nice as well that an artist knows when to cut and run and they've cut yeah, and run at, yeah. a, at a moment where they're still in control choosing, exactly, rather than yeah. rather than you know and, and saying oh well he said i'm 74 i'll be 75 next year it's a nice round number and you just think yeah fair play mm. actually well done for not doing what lots of people do through greed i think or maybe through addiction or substance issues where they continually have to make more money either mm. for their own habits or for those of other people poor brian wilson for example continuing yeah. to be flogged to people around him isn't it nice uh, that you know that that someone that is still in control that does that isn't greedy that just goes you know rather than, than waiting until no one wants to see me anymore at the moment um the band Kiss are doing a, 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 a stadium tour around Britain and tickets. Are, I think I saw some Alpha for £1.50 the other day because they just cannot sell <laughs> oh tickets. Oh, my God. I know. Last minute for Newcastle or somewhere like that. Because they just, and they, you know, they've done things. They've done, they've sort of done promo. They were on Good Morning Britain the other day. A friend of mine was on it and tweeted a picture of her and Gene Simmons. Um, It's really, it's really, you know, sad, really, that Kiss, who really were a huge band, have been reduced to such rubble because they're having to continue touring for whatever reason, either bad financial management or, you know, they've been ripped off or whatever. And I'm just really pleased. And it's a really refreshing change that someone knows when to stop and can stop. Mm, no, absolutely. Totally agree. Um, over the years, we seem to have covered a number of stories about scammers. Um, mm. We looked at the notorious fire festival. Where, oh, yes, indeed. Ticket holders were promised more or less the Garden of Eden, if I remember, with a world of yachts and supermodels mm. and fabulous music. And instead they found stale bread with processed cheese slices yes. for dinner and wild dogs roaming the island and yes, war zone type tents for their luxury accommodation. Wasn't ideal, was it, really? Wasn't ideal. Also step forward, um, Anna Delvey, last year we mm. watched Yes. Inventing Anna in which Oh that uh, was but it was it was the drama documentary, wasn't it? it drama was documentary, drama, yes. Documentary, but it was brilliant. It was absolutely yes. fantastic. Yes, you're quite right. It, it, yeah, a con artist manages to bluff her way yes. into the upper echelons of the New York social and art scenes. Well, Jules, here we go again with Caroline Calloway, an Instagram influencer, of course, who has mm, Is there her... any other kind indeed? <laughs> That's right. Um I, I, when I looked at her job description, you know, I thought Imagine a generation ago, uh, yes. someone said, you know, um, and what do you do? Oh, I'm, I'm an influencer. <laughs> it's just a serious it's, job. What, yeah. what, On your passport, what, influencer. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a castle built on sand, I it suspect. Really is. Well, she has scammed her rather naive followers with um, non-existent creativity workshops. $165 (laughs) per person that simply (laughs) didn't take place. Uh, There's just an endless appetite for these people. 
It's mad, isn't it? I just, you know, there were always, when we always say on this podcast, when we talk about these people, and when we said this about Anna Delvey as well, admittedly it was a drama, but you, you left parts of the drama thinking that Anna Delvey was A, awful, and B, right to scam people that were even more awful than she was. And, <laughs> and I think you get this feeling that, yes, these people are dreadful, but every con artist needs a stooge or a patsy, don't they, that is stupid yes. enough to believe it, that is self-centred enough to believe it as well. Firstly, when I read this name, Caroline Calloway, I thought, didn't she do Millie the Moocher? No, that was Cab Calloway, apparently. <laughs> Fat fans, the bit, the first million-selling record, Millie the Moocher by Cab Calloway. But anyway, um, yeah, so she had this... Um, I mean, this is the sort of thing where there are so many layers to this grift, Sir T. I mean, so so she see, I had not heard of this person. Um, I, I, yeah, I hadn't heard. I didn't know who she was. No. I'm not inst. I'm not on that. I am on Instagram, but I'm not. I don't follow influencers on Instagram very much. There's a few, you know, Instagram faces that I follow. I very much enjoy the DJ Fat Tony's output, which is um, mostly memes that he's stolen from other people. But he he admits himself he is a meme curator. So um, so I enjoy Fat Tony's output, which is excellent. And there are a few people that I follow that perhaps I don't know. But um, so she is 31. She rose to notoriety in 2015 when she started dubbing herself the Gatsby of Cambridge, offering Instagram followers a fairy tale note to reader. Fairy tale is made up. It's a lie. It's not real. I just need people to know this. Well, uh, um, perspective of her time at Cambridge, where she introduced her friends and acquaintances as characters. Now, part of me quite likes this. Part <laughs> of me has always wanted to have the time and the bandwidth in my day to write a diary like Alan Bennett did and have a dramatic persona list at the beginning. Um, I, for a while, when I was unsuccessfully online dating, I used to describe the women I was seeing with epithets in uh, in my because no one ever wanted to know her real name in a, in my group one of the group chats I was in so there were always people like I don't know um uh, arts council person or I don't know um graphic designer woman so they would always have like things so I quite I have some sympathy of like the epithets of of you know giving people having people characters it says oh and this is every line you read is like like you say like the social media subjects um off the back of her social media success, Calloway signed a $500,000 book deal for a memoir that was never published. However, it now appears that Calloway should not have been given a place to study at Edmonds College <laughs> History of Art. In a new interview with Vanity Fair, God, if ever a name was appropriate, she has claimed that she forged her application to the institution. She said, I lied on my application, she told the US magazine. I forged my transcript when I got in. Why again, talking about, you know, younger people, virtual worlds, Instagram world, people feel there's never, people have lost the idea of cause and effect. Wonder if they'll go after her for tuition fees because she's breached mm. the contract, hasn't mm. she? Technically, anyway, sure. um, she said she told the magazine. I mean, she's one of these people that just seems to be. A friend of mine once described David Crosby as heroically awful, and I feel that she's <laughs> kind of fallen into this here. She told the magazine she received a place to study history of art at Cambridge on her third attempt after receiving rejections from Harvard, Yale, and Oxford. Did she not take the hint that she might not be clever enough? Anyway, she had previously dropped out of New York University at 2013. And here is one of the most spectacularly obnoxious yet hilarious quotes I've read in some time. 
I couldn't live the rest of my life with an NYU email address, she said. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Responding to claims that the former student lied to get into Cambridge, a spokesperson for St. Edward's College told the Independent, wait for it, we cannot comment on individual students. However, we take statements like this very seriously. And allegedly, she was first exposed as a scammer after her former best friend, Natalie Beach, I'm not making any of this up. That spelled no, Beach was in Lives of Beach. Wrote an article for The Cut which claimed that Cadaway had bought her followers and not been the sole author of her inst- infamous Instagram captions. This woman wrote them, Natalie Beach, so she couldn't God. even write her own bull. Um, uh, Cadaway has denied it in the Vanity Fair interview that Beach had been extensively involved in creating her social media accounts. However, she did say that Beach helped her ghost write her book proposal. For goodness sake, it's just insane. Insane. It's um, oh man, she um, someone. I can't bear these people. I have to say, I can't. Someone, the Vanity Fair author of the piece describes she looks like E.G. Sedgwick. She thinks like Andy Warhol. Like you say, who are these people? Why are they in my life? She also revealed that, by the way, just goes to show how easy it is to uh to manipulate Instagram. Here's a quick pop quiz, Sir T. Mm. She admitted to buying. 40,000 followers in 2013 after she dropped out of NYU, whose email address she couldn't have for the rest of her life, apparently, got accepted into Cambridge. How much do you think it would cost to buy 40,000 followers on Instagram? I'm only going to come across as a smart Alec because I read the same interviews. Uh, $5. Yeah, $4.99. I mean, for goodness sake. She, um, which, by the way, um, I've just tried to look to see um, with five dollars, um, whatever 165 divided by five is, which I'm quickly going to do now. It's 35. Mm. Um, so that would get you a 35th of one of her creativity rest, uh, workshops <laughs> in New York, which is priced at 165 dollars. Yes. So just think that you. So if you times, so if you times five. By um by forty thousand. Think how many followers you could buy for that amount of money. But it's extremely. I love this little quote as well. Undercover Andrea Park, who attended the workshop, wrote an article for W Magazine, stated that it taught her nothing about creativity, but a lot about scamming. And I think that sums up these people nicely. What have they got to offer us? Very little, really. But yet. The criminals operate and are successful. Scammers are always one step ahead of the general public and they always succeed because they are cynical about the general public. And rightly so. They work out that certain but they found they find various sectors of the general public that are stupid and unquestioning and asinine and facile and they just want to be spoon-fed rubbish that doesn't really exist because they don't want to face reality. You could describe the scammers as that. All they're doing is cynically pandering to a base market. They're successful because that market is there. Yeah, I mean, in some ways it all could be seen as mildly amusing, but they prey on the naive yes, and vulnerable, don't they? Yes, seem to, absolutely. They, they seem to take getting caught out as just a minor occupational hazard. It's That's, an inconvenience, it's isn't an inconvenience. it? It's, it's uh, because they know that then some idiot from Vanity Fair is going to write them up in this very grandiose way, don't they? Because the media lap this up and they know that they're always going to, well, not always, but they'll know that they'll have a window in which they're going to get paid lots of money by the media for their story, won't they? So really what they need to be doing is getting paid loads of money for this story for three months. And then you can use that money to go and start a new life in in Asia Mm. where no one knows you. And maybe that's the thing. 
A quick throw back to Billy Joel before we move on. OK, I just did a quick calculation. You know, we said there were, there were mm. three million bums on seats. I just checked yes. uh, over the years. Um, the uh, Very reasonable, this, I feel. Um, the sort of average price for Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden is yes. $69.50. Which is pretty reasonable, pretty actually. Good, if, if that's about 50 quid in UK money, maybe yeah, a little bit more. I would pay that to see Billy Jones I if I wanted to too. see someone. Like that. It sounds pretty if, reasonable. If we multiply our three million bums on seats by $69.50, mm. we find $208,500,000 over his residency there alone. Now, that's gross. So if we say he only takes half of that, mm. that's still 100 million quid I just mean, that from is... hearing it. Madison Square Garden. That's incredible. And you could also say, make the point there, fair play, because he's he's not mm. an influence, is he? He's doing something that brings yeah. people joy. Yeah. And also, this works in the same way as women's football is at the moment. I've been regular listeners and followers of me on social media. You know that I often like to go and watch women's football games. Um, I've seen England play several times at Wembley. We went to the Women's FA Cup final at Wembley. I worked out that I'd been to Wembley three times in six months. And when I added up the sum total that I paid for tickets, it was 40 quid for all three tickets. I think we paid 200 quid each to see Chelsea in the FA Cup final last year. That is that is crazy. And yet, <sighs> said he, and I know that probably was a sellout, but what I'm saying yes, is... Yes, it was. An ludicrous. I know, but in this instance, women's football, the women's football games I've attended, all three of those matches broke some sort of record for attendance. They were all 70,000 plus. And they sold that because, you know, there were loads of kids there because it was two quid for kids tickets, I think, or three kids for kids tickets. Maybe Billy Joel has made all this money Mm. because actually the way to make real money is not to gouge people short term. (laughs) It's to charge reasonable prices so it sells out of course it sells mm. out if you're a billy joel super fan what's 50 quid a month it's not very much is it it's Good it's point. you know and and it's that's that's why he's made so much running white sold out because it because it's priced reasonably if you went to new york for a week and said oh what's on at madison square garden i'm not a big jilly joel fan but if i was in new york and sure. it was 50 quid to see him at yeah. madison square garden i'd go and it's and it's Good it's point. very shrewd yeah, I think so. That's how you make money, not by scamming people, but by charging reasonable amounts. And who knows? Like you say, rather than making a million quid off the mags in a year, like Cab Calloway, sorry, I mean Caroline Calloway <laughs> is doing, why not make a hundred million dollars over a decade, like Billy has? That's good business. Absolutely. Up next, farewell to Cynthia Weil mm. and Astrid Gilberto, and there's a new book about Nick Drake. Mm. That's right after the new single from Young Gun, Silver Fox.
several of their singles over the over recent years and this mm. was co-written by Andy Platts the band and Rod Temperton and you can really mm. hear his influence there Rod Temperton of course wrote much of uh, Thriller with Michael yes. Jackson and he was Heatwave as well I think and Heatwave he was in Heatwave mind-blowing decisions et al mm. um, so yeah that was a new single from Young Gun Silver Fox Moonshine I really like that actually, and I, the band that I didn't have a huge amount of familiarity with until until you sort of introduced me mm. to them. And everything I hear are really good. Uh, Rod Tempton, by the way, passed on in 2016. Mm. Yes, and he was yes. Sorry, he was a brilliant, brilliant bloke. And interestingly, he um he had a house at um in Tentenham where I used to work in Kent, and oh. he had this enormous place. And I remember. Um, one of the secretaries coming in to tell me that he passed away when I was I was still working there at the time and someone said oh did you know him personally then and I actually had to say to this colleague no he wrote Thriller and they went what and I went yeah exactly and he was just known as this guy that just sort of wandered into the market on Friday mornings like you say this is he must have changed his lifestyle towards the end because Andy Platt's talking about writing this with Rob mm. Chempton said um, that uh, they actually wrote it in 2004. Mm. And um, Andy Platt's went to Rod Temperton's um, massive mansion in, uh, in Topanga Canyon. In, in, in oh, the interesting. Hills, well, yeah, I Canyon suspect he had several houses. The house that he yeah. had in, in, in Kent. Um, well, in, in Tenterden. Tenterden is sort of a place where people it's sell. not Los Angeles, is it? No, but having said They've got a pond in their back garden, and you and I would really call this a lake when it comes to it. There's very much <laughs> a kind of a the oh, scale right. of thing that's happened. Uh, it's you know sort of it's a it's a kind of a village green with a house attached, really. Those kind of places. Oh, there is very large. Also from Tenton, and so David Frost originally was born there. So it's so it's a nice leafy part of. Oh, I take it back. It's a, mm. it's a smooth move from the canyons of Los Angeles. To Absolutely, Tenterton. yes, indeed. To uh, to yes, to Tenton, L.A. as I believe it's. Yes. <laughs> it was only recently we, we, we were talking about the songwriting pairing of Barry mm. Mann and Cynthia Wilde, and we yes. mentioned that they were still happily married for over 60 yes. years. So it is sad to note that Cynthia oh, Wilde. Oh, so sad, yeah. Yeah, she died this week, aged 82. What a legacy of songs, Jules, from the, the heart of the Brill, Brill Building. Um, just a little loving for Dusty. Mm. You've lost that loving feeling on Broadway, Saturday, night, Saturday night, the movies, just dozens more. 
Absolutely. She was someone who, so she was very smooth sailing adjacent to the, the mm. easy listening radio show that I do. And I was able to do a four song tribute to her without very much trouble, really. I, I did this. It was, it was the, um, it was again songs that she wrote with with uh, with with Batman, like you say. But I did a four song run, which was "You've Lost That Loving Feeling" by the Righteous Brothers, "Walking in the Rain" by the Walker Brothers, oh, um, yeah. "Just a Little Loving" by Dusty, and "Here You Come Again" by Dolly Parton. Course, All numbers that amazing. she was involved in writing. And you just think, God, that is a run of like four of the best songs ever. That, uh, that you know, Walking in the Rain, perhaps not quite so popular, but also an amazing oh, song. Oh, it's a lovely it, song. It is great, isn't it? And it's the sort of thing where all of those songs, most people of a certain age could sing them, couldn't they? If you, if you mm. know, they're mo- oh. they're, that old test of can the milkman whistle this? Mm. I mean, they passed every time, didn't they, Wine mm. and Man? I'm a, I'm a, I'd like you to say, very sorry to hear she passed away. I'm sorry if we cursed them. Apologies, because they've been yeah, married for so long. But it was... Um, I also I love the fact that her daughter um, told a website in America, TMZ, that her mother died on Thursday night. And this is such a lovely, um, a lovely phrase. I do like people that can give a tribute properly. She said Mm. she was the greatest mother, grandmother and wife our family could ever ask for. She was my best friend, confidant and my partner in crime and an idol and trailblazer for women in music. Wow. better and she also wrote uptown as well i've just seen so mm. so you know some really just you know like you say the brill building was so so good you know the idea that it, all good music was coming out of there they just they they just seem to know how to write pop music and that everyone thinks they can write a hit and to have that sustained popularity that sustained body of work over time there aren't that many you know there aren't that many sort of um I mean, there aren't that many kind of teams that you'd say were like that. You could say Lennon and McCartney were fantastic and their songs were endured forever, but they were only together. They were only writing together for about mm. seven or eight years. You know, mm-hmm. if, if that, I mean, the, the idea that they were just, they were knocking out hit after hit after hit, weren't they? What a legacy. Those songs will last forever, I think. I can't imagine a time when people won't want to hear those. They're wonderful. R.I.P. Um, Cynthia, what a brilliant figure. Yeah, I think along with Bacharach and David, one of the great composing partnerships of of our lifetime. Absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, really agree. George, I know you're a fan of Astrid Gilberto, who died this week at 83. Most people, of course, will know her uh, with her breathy vocals on massive records like The Girl from Ipanema, for which it only ever received a session fee uh, for that $120 even though it was Song of the Year at the Grammys in 1965. Mm. Um, the other thing I didn't know about the girlfriend of Ipanema, apparently it's the second most recorded song in pop history, only beaten by Paul McCartney's Yesterday. Indeed. Um, first song she ever recorded, Jules, and no, no. One, no one can forget her, her, her sort of soft, sultry vocal style. Absolutely. I like you say, just that is that is something that bears repeating. She had never recorded in a studio before. They recorded her because it was her husband, her then husband, Juan Gilberto, um, in 1959. She accompanied him on a trip to New York um, <laughs> where he would record with fellow um, with jazz, jazz artist Stan Getz and um, Boston overstar Antonio Carlos Jobim. Um, the Sessions producer wanted an English language singer to help it cross over to a US audience because the singer sang in Portuguese oh. and she was the only person that could speak English. 
and that's why she <laughs> sang. That's why she did it, which is incredible. And like you say, but but again, it's all this thing, isn't it? That you've always got the kind of artifice of all, oh, you know, incredible woman, and everyone around the world knows that song, knows her for that song. Again, a truly worldwide hit. Um, but like you say, not even credited on the recording, cut out of the royalties, only received a small session fee. Um, but inevitably, when it was re-edited without the Portuguese language vocals as a solo single, massive hit in 1964. Mm. Um, but however, she was nominated for Best Vocal Performance for a Female at the Grammys. But that year, she and her husband divorced and she ended up having to tour the US with Stan Getz and his band as a single parent. And she described it later as very difficult times, being in the midst of a separation and dealing with the responsibilities of being a single mother in a brand new demanding career. Um, she she continued um, to have various al- um, albums on the jazz level label verb and that's how i first came across well i knew the golf for mina which is why i bought it but i was uh, the, the much lamented wells music in southwold r.i.p what a great place that was where i used to go on holiday and buy all my jazz cds first place i ever heard oscar peterson as well that had a huge shape on my taste and i remember hearing that playing in there and they were selling a cd that was published in 2001 so it would have been out that long called Astra Gilberto's Finest Hour on Verve. And they did they did a Ramsey Lewis one as well. It was really good, which is exactly 60 minutes long. They've edited it. It's got mm. just goes to show how, you know, how they kept it short and sweet for Astrid. Um, there are uh, um, 20 songs on that. Wow. Now. So it's wow. literally bang, 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 bang. A brilliant, <laughs> brilliant record. And uh, and yeah, I, part of me is quite sad that she was so ill treated, as is the case. The world over, A, by musicians at that time, and B, particularly female musicians at that time. I'm not saying all men were treated well, but you know oh, what I mean. Sure. The women yeah, really got sure. the sharp end yeah. of the stick, I think. But she really, she recorded with Chet Baker as well. She continued to tour. She was still touring in, t- in 2002. She only gave up touring in her sort of late 60s or, or mid 60s, which is impressive, really. She did get a Lifetime Achievement Award by the Latin Grammys. She was a giant of Brazilian music, and people just remember her as one song. She was an incredibly talented interpreter of songs. Like you say, if some people, um, you know, some people know, know, you know, most people know the big songs, but this album is worth listening to as a kind of starter because it's got some lovely reinterpretations of songs on it. It's it's brilliant. Um, a, um, a great career. I mean, having said that though, I'm sorry she wasn't on the royalties because what a great song to be remembered for. I'm mm. sorry she wasn't financially rewarded for it. Although it did it did sustain her a career for many years, I suppose you could say. Now, a quick word for someone not so well known these days, but um, Mm. Tony McPhee also died this Mm. week. No problem. Many people won't even know who I'm talking about. He was the guitarist with the Groundhogs, who were a really big name in the early 70s. Mm. They toured with the Rolling Stones, but breakups and ill health Mm. uh, prevented their progress, really. But a great guitarist. Um, So also farewell to Tony McPhee. Absolutely. Mm. It seems that... Oh, gosh, about every five years or so, Nick Drake is rediscovered mm. and a new book or documentary appears trying to gain some insight into yes. this rather shy, depressed young man who mm. sadly appeared at least to take his own life at only 26 years old. And he made three albums which do have an air of beauty about them, but his music has such a deep sense of melancholy mm. that I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest, I find it very hard to listen to. Yes, I can understand that. 
Jules, for those seeking new information, there's cooperation in this new book by Richard Morton Jack from um, Drake's sister and also recollections from a wide variety of friends. It all emerges as a very sad story of a musical yeah. life unfulfilled. Absolutely. I agree. And I, I read I've read a couple of books about him over the years. I read one on mm. holiday as an 18 year old, which was very interesting. And there were some people that spoke in that. But like you say, maybe some new insight because because of, you know, this kind of authorised nature of it and his family. Mm. I mean, I've always been very touched by the music of Nick Drake. I absolutely hear what you're saying about um about the, the sort of sadness behind it and how that is very difficult. Um, It's it's really interesting. I'd like to read something, if you don't mind, that mm. I wrote about Nick drake a few years ago oh, um, on, on facebook um i wrote this on the 26th of november 2019 and i think i understand your your feelings so too, that, mm. that it was a short life and people keep trying to retell the same story i do understand that i hope this is definitive now that the, that the family are involved you feel like saying well presumably mm. this is the end point of this isn't it this is the, the final account so i wrote it a few years ago Nick Drake died 45 years ago yesterday. He and his music have had a steady presence throughout most of my adult life. I borrowed his albums on CD from the library as a teenager and quickly grew to love them. Listeners to my Indie Wonderland radio show remember the period when the penultimate track of the first hour was the Nick Drake slot. This was originally born, as most things are, out of a hastily cobbled together solution to the problem of finding a single, usually short track, to slot in before playing a long song at the end of the first hour. It so happened that a huge part of Nick Drake's talent is his brevity. He almost mani- he always managed to pack more truth and beauty into ba- merely two minutes than many managed in his entire career. But I also felt a great shit kinship with him, despite the fact that we never lived at the same time. We forget this, Terence. We know there are people I've never mm. lived at the same time who's people like his stuff I love mm. when I was 17 and on holiday in Wales as something of recovery following my A-levels in my mum's brain hemorrhage I bought an excellent biography of his life second hand as I knew nothing about him I was so struck by how melancholy he was and how he was so talented but he also seemed to struggle to connect with the stresses and strains of everyday life he passed away aged just 26 in perhaps typically vague ethereal circumstances he had been very depressed and may or may not have overdosed the coroner was unsure and could not reach a conclusion he just seemed to float away when i was in my 20s struggling to make sense of an upsetting breakup a bullying work environment and a chronic illness i discovered one day that he had overdosed on the same medication i was then and i'm indeed now still taking at the age i was then Mm. he does also have he does always have a habit of cropping up in my life i believe we also had the similar hair at that time too to make this story less heavy incidentally when thinking about his story and background i'm reminded of aspects of political life which i found difficult at present i retain strong political views but find myself increasingly drained by seemingly all debates being viewed through a lens of whose side are you on some quarters would dismiss nick drake as a sad boy how i hate that trope not least because of his public public school cambridge background the truth is everybody is entitled to be sad and breaky brains don't and can't discriminate along class lines nick didn't manage to graduate didn't somehow hugely fit into the music scene at that time wasn't somehow quite able to channel his talents along straight lines i can sympathize nick drake died feeling like a failure his music unappreciated on a wide scale but in good news for us slow burners everywhere eventually over time it found a much wider and very appreciative audience i truly believe his music is so beautiful so wise so true so unadorned that it will live on forever that cheers me no end 
as does this song. For all of his melancholy, Nick Drake often did dreamy, shivery optimism brilliantly. I often listen to this song, one of these things first, at the beginning of a day. I find the music to be wonderfully purposeful and encouraging, and the lyrics to be wryly self-mocking, but also for the possibility. Reflecting on what I can be that day is often a good start to it. I hope you're resting well, Nick, and that wherever you are, you know that your music and your brief but inspiring life continue to be reflected upon and enjoyed by me and many others. So that is my view, said he. That's so beautiful. That that's that's just wonderful. Also, what a great writer you are. Well, that's um, very kind. Thank you. That was that wasn't that so wasn't that wasn't intended to be a showing off moment. No, no, I, no, I, no. I I I as you say, one man's meat is another man's poison. One man's one man's too much sadness is another woman's just enough sadness. I think. For but, sure. Um, I mean, yes. his last years did have a very um, sort of similarity that to that of Sid Barrett, who also yes. was a bit of a lost soul in this he world. He wasn't there, was he? Really, he found and a I, little to enjoy in life. You yes, know? and it's very saddening. And apparently, according to um, a friend of mine who read this somewhere, it is alleged that Nick Drake delivered the master tapes to Pink Moon to to, to Ireland by leaving on the reception desk whilst the receptionist was distracted and walking away. Yeah. And that was that was how that album was. And, and and it's, you know, it's a beautiful album, but the last album particularly is incredibly bleak. I do agree that there is such sadness mm. to it. And I just I just feel so sorry that who knows? Depression is an ill is an ill wind and it's a strange beast. And I don't know if large amounts of attention would have made it better for him or if it would have made it even worse. I don't True. know. Maybe being True. on the record company treadmill would have been even more upsetting than nobody recognising his work at all. I don't know. But um, like you say, well, I, I'm a huge fan of Nick Drake, as you can probably tell from that writing. But having said that, even I think, well, surely this is the last time this tale needs to be told now that now that the family are involved. I will probably read this book and take things from it. But um, like you say, I hope that his music is always rediscovered. I think it's got that quality to it that I think that young people will always dig it up somehow. I hope that the algorithm continues to throw it at people on Spotify. I hope that it still it still pops up every so often. But maybe, maybe now, chaps, we don't need any more books. Sure. I mean, if from Juliet, you'd like to read this book, it's called Nick Drake, The Life, and it's by Richard Morton Jack, and it's published this week. Mm. Well, thanks very much for listening this week. Good to uh, have so- you there. As ever, I echo the sentiments of my learned friend, the Right Honourable Sir Terence Many Names Dacken. Now, just to let uh, note to let you know, um, mm. let know, we're taking a couple of weeks off from normal programming for our summer break or a summer we break. We are indeed but, yes, uh, our, our well-earned break. I, yes. I had when I used to work as a solicitor, there was a, a client that we worked for. I had to be careful about how much detail we mm. here. It was a client we worked for who was <laughs> was always seen to be on holiday, and she was the wife of someone of note, but they were in the middle divorce because it was all very fraught and she always used to say she was going on a well-deserved break uh, and I remember my my boss dictating this letter and saying I was sorry to miss you this week as you were away and as he paused I said snarkily from my desk where I was typing on yet another well-deserved break <laughs> to my horror he then dictated on yet another well-deserved yeah. break and it went in the letter and it oh, went out so we are away on Yes, another well-deserved break. <laughs> we are, but don't and I don't think you can escape because there will don't despair. be despair. Don't despair. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> There'll be a couple of special shows that we're going to pre-record to fill the gap perfectly. Mm, indeed, uh, it's like it's you know it's like AI. Yes, uh, DJ X is covering. For us yeah, he's covering for weeks. us. That's you won't right. Notice the difference. 
Yeah, here's another great one from your old friend, Mr. Bach, and following him, <laughs> Mr. Beethoven. Yeah, yes, the mate. hidden happening, Amadeus yeah. Mozart. Yes. <laughs> so, talking of special shows, um, also very special, uh, <laughs> Juliet <laughs> continues on Noisebox Radio. That was a Mr. X-S segue, wasn't it? Speaking of, speaking of pixies, here's Juliet. <laughs> now, I, I am uh, doing shows on Noisebox Radio. Um, it is mostly live, by and large. Um, doing a smooth sailing from um, seven till nine on Sunday evenings. Um, you know, easy listening, MOR, yacht rock, that kind of casually nice stuff. Um, I also do a show called Lots of Words on Thursday evenings, which is instrumentals of all and no genres from eight till nine p.m. on um, on Noisebox Radio. But you can also, excuse me, catch up on Mixcloud. We're going to Mixcloud.com or use the app and search for Noisebox Radio's channel. You can find previous shows there. And back to Astrid Gilberto to finish, Jules. Yes, and I ummed and odd about picking the girl from Ipanema. Ipanema. I can never get the right around Ipanema. <laughs> but um, but partly because I can't say it, but also partly because I really struggled. Um, I, I was really struck by that story that she and her husband getting divorced and her not getting any royalties and everything. Why is it always about the men, Satie? So although this is a cover of a song famously sung by a man, I think she brings a lovely air to this very dreamy song that sometimes people when singers cover song you think yeah this wasn't your song originally but i don't want to use that awful x factor phrase you made it your own but it does really chime with her vibe i think and her kind of sort of general general sort of mood and impression of who she was this is a lovely dreamy version of astrid gilberto singing fly me to the moon fly me to the moon and let me play among the stars Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. In other words, darling, kiss me. Fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore. You are all I love. And adore in other words, please be true. In other words, I love you. Listening to a Parish Council production.